Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In today's episode, we have a good friend of mine. He's a former ATP tennis pro, someone who I can always draw inspiration from and motivation from when it comes to taking my business to the next level. This guy's doing a whole lot of other things outside of tennis. We went over it all during the podcast. So without further ado, welcome, Yuri Batoni. It's time to sweat it out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. And welcome back to the Sweat It Out podcast. Today we have my good friend, former tennis pro, out there helping the youth, Yuri Betoni. How are you, man? Hey, How's guys. it going? How's everything been? It's been a while. I know it's been a while. And uh, first of all, I wanted to thank you guys for this opportunity. Um, I think it's a great thing. And um, and I think looking forward for this uh, this interview. Yeah, we always have a good time on here, man. It's oh, yeah. pretty casual. So <laughs> we'll be joking around. Yeah, appreciate your time for coming on. Thank you. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I mean, obviously, I've known you for quite a few years now from you know my days training at Equinox. You were a member there. Um, but I'm sure everyone would be interested to hear a little bit about your backstory and uh, kind of how you got your start in tennis. Well, uh, the story starts uh, many, many years ago. Um, first of all, I was born in Africa, believe it or not. <laughs> and um, the first probably 15 years of my life, I lived between uh, Africa and um, in Saudi Arabia. I never really played tennis except one time that I've seen a tennis court in Africa and I thought it was a cool sport, but never really did anything with it. Um, when we left Africa with my family, uh, we went to Italy for a couple of years and uh, my mother enrolled me in the school that every afternoon I would have uh, I would have to play a different sport. So I remember Monday was the soccer day and Thursday was the tennis day. All the other days were different sports, uh, which I didn't re- really care much, but I enjoyed more than the tennis. Um, at some point, uh, my mom didn't want me to play tennis because, uh, well, didn't want me to play soccer because I was getting hurt, but she wanted me to play tennis more and I hated it. Uh, they forced me to play the first little tournament. Um, I got to the finals, uh, which was kind of cool and unique and, and new. Uh, a few people came to watch, so I didn't think I really was playing very well at the time, but somehow I got to the finals. And that was enough to get me going. Uh, same week I got to the finals uh, in the mini tennis for the Italian championships. So I, I thought it was kind of cool and maybe I had something to, um, that could have, you know, could have been good for the future. So she enrolled me to a tennis club, to a proper one. And uh, and then from there uh, it was history because I started playing from playing three hours a week. I was playing five, six times uh, a week um, for another about a year, year and a half, until I came to the States in 92, uh, in vacation. Um, so year I was born. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and um, Nick Bolletieri saw me playing, uh, and he gave me an opportunity to play at IMG. That, at that time, was the Nick Bolletieri Tennis Academy, the NBTA. And, um, <clears throat> and that's how we moved to the States, uh, the entire family. My mom wanted to go back to Africa. My father didn't. And I thought it was a good thing to move to the States. So between the opportunity I had with tennis and uh, being in the States with a family, that's that's how we made the move. And then from there, 
um, I was probably 15, 15 and a half, almost 16. And uh, I was playing from five, six times a week, maybe seven, eight, seven, eight hours. I was playing eight hours a day for five, six days a wow. week. So it was a big difference. And, um, and that's it. So that's, uh, that's, that's my history, how I got involved with, uh, with the tennis. Yeah, I mean, uh, they take it pretty seriously over there at IMG. You know, it's no joke. I mean, if you're I, I, you're competing over there, you're you're real serious. Clearly, I was. Um, I just came back a couple of days ago from uh, from the academy, and uh, first of all, it, it grew tremendously. From uh, when I was there, there were just fifty six courts, I think. Now there's not only tennis but soccer, baseball, Amazing. lacrosse, um, NBA. Pretty much everything. So it's the hub of the sports. It's very, very high tech. There's the Gatorade Sports Institute, which uh, a few years ago I was part of it. I was lucky enough to be chosen to go through the testing, the lab and the on-court testing, which was a very interesting thing to find out what, how the body works and, and what you need on, is under certain conditions, uh, uh, weather and stuff like that. So, so <laughs> Yuri, I, I want to ask you just, um, you know, I know Josh has told me a little bit about you and I'm getting to learn you, learn more about you now, which is amazing. But knowing the success that you've been able to build on yourself and, and you know, being at that pro level, I'm just curious because I see this happen quite often where you mentioned you were playing soccer and your mom kind of like forced you out of that and wanted you playing tennis, even though that wasn't what you wanted to do at the beginning. You hear many times stories where that happens with kids. They move on and get, and then when they get to like the college level or they're getting pushed out, sometimes themselves, they remove themselves completely because they're only doing that to favor their, you know, to make their parents happy. And it wasn't, they're, they're great, but they were really trying to just make their parents happy. And then either they fall out or they continue on and they fall out somewhere. And it's just, they said like, well, I was never doing this really for me. What was that difference for you? Because it obviously shows that you're passionate. You continued with it. You, you're you a true professional. You know, you've had so much success. Like, where did you realize where your mom doing that was actually the calling for you? Um, and you realized that it wasn't something you were doing for the happiness of your parents, unless that was part of it. Well, that's a very, um, that's a very good question. <laughs> you hit the, the nail on the head. Um that's one of the biggest problems nowadays that I'm seeing parents that really want, probably they never really uh, achieve what they really wanted to achieve in sports and they try to live through the kids and they pressure them and they oppress them <clears throat> eventually and until they, you know, by 18, 19, still in their youth, they completely fall out and they take a completely different route and sometimes leaves them mental scars uh, if they're not very strong mentally or so on. And, and, and that can create a problem in the future of the well-being of the, of the kid. Um, my case, I would have to say that I was extremely lucky because the only reason my mom wanted me to uh, not play soccer was because I was getting hurt a lot. And since I was very little, I would always <clears throat> exceed my potential, try to exceed my potential in moving around really fast and that, you know, led to many injuries. <laughs> so my mom was, was always been maybe too overprotective. Um, I open a close parenthesis before um, the tennis part. Um, my family always raced cars. So since I was very little, they put me on a go-kart. So <clears throat> my career was to race cars. Wow. Uh, 
And um, when I was supposed to do the European Championships, uh, my mom told my father, said, and I was probably 13, 14, he said, she, she, she said, if you take him to Spain, I'll divorce you. He's not gonna ever race cars because it's too dangerous. So that was my 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 ending of uh, the racing careers. That was straightforward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was <laughs> so. Um, later on, he showed on the soccer side, so I was not very, <laughs> I was not um, surprised. But the only reason was that she was overprotective. When I was playing, when I got better, and and I started traveling the world uh, at tournaments and stuff, um, she never really pressured me if I would win, if I would lose. She would always keep the same constant uh, behavior. Uh, she would appreciate, but she would not put me down if I would uh, lose, but she would try to find out what were the reasons and stuff. So that really, really helped me. My On my father's side, the same thing. He, um, he never really pushed me. Uh, the only thing I remember that um, he was getting really hard on me, it was when, uh, it was a time in my, in, my, in my juniors that I was breaking lots of rackets. I was a little bit rebellious, versus myself <laughs> and, and getting frustrated. Um, probably the pressure because the academy at that time was very, very competitive. Not that it is not now, but it was different. So <clears throat> every day you would go to practice or you would play a match, even though it was a challenge match or just a normal match, you would feel there was that heat. So <clears throat> there was a time in my career that I lost it a little bit and my father would just take off from watching me at the tournament or something when I would have such behavior, which at that time, it was enough to create a distress in my behavior and maybe let me to lose a match, but it was totally my fault. So I, I, I would do the same thing if I would have a kid. I cannot stand somebody yelling on the court, throwing rackets, breaking things. It's just something that I just cannot stand. So that's the only thing. So I, I overall, I think I, I got very lucky. Yeah, my uh, my stepdad was the same way with football. Like if I was playing like shit, he was just you know he'd leave a game completely. I'd like look in the stands and he wouldn't be there, and then I come home and he'd be like, "You were playing like garbage. I'm not gonna watch that." You know, like totally is right. Yeah, okay, man. Well, I guess I'll play better next time. You know, totally. and, and I did. But you know, you mentioned the pressure of those matches at IMG. What is it about? You know, because you're not the only athlete. I used to work with with collegiate athletes uh, quite a bit, and and some professional athletes and. You know, they say the same thing. There's just something about that that environment that you get put in, right? Where you have this immense amount of pressure to compete, right? Not even necessarily pressure to succeed, but pressure to compete, which will lead to, you know, future success as you start to get into real, you know, matches in, in the ATP and, and other tournaments, you know? Um, what is it about that pressure that, you know, you found? Because clearly it was something that you sought after or you would have just left IMG, Right. So what is it about that pressure that high, really high-performing athletes, you know, really seek? My experience at Academy and, and what the Academy actually tried to do was to reproduce the same pressure that you might have at a tennis tournament at the high level because <clears throat> I'm a big fan of, of talking to kids like talking to, a, to, to, to an adult. That's how you expand their, their, their brains. And the same way you um, you train them. So if you make them feel that they are, even though they're 12, 13, they train like, or even more than a professional player. So you gotta treat them uh, as a professional player. So you gotta also put them at times in environments um, where you can simulate 
the actual uh, tennis match on the ATP or the WTA tour. So uh, at that time in the 90s, early 90s, late 80s and early 90s, I was at the Academy in 92 and on, um, when Agassi was there, Sampras, you know, big players. Um, some of the biggest. Yeah, some yep. of the biggest, yeah. Yeah, 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 there were many more, of course, but, but you know, now, you know, these are some of the names that even people that don't know about tennis would, would know. Salish, uh, Mary Pierce, um, Sharapova, <laughs> and so on. So um, they would just throw you in this pot and deal with it. We gave you the tools, and now it's up to you to um, to use the best that you can. So um, <clears throat> the structure at that time was extremely competitive, I remember, on the... Um, Practice school because it was it was scheduled in this way. After school, you would eat, get on uh, on on court, or do uh, the track hour. So you would run plyometrics, all the footwork, and so on. So according to what was your rotation, you would have three things: the track, the uh, practice courts, which is drills, and then the match play every single day. Sometimes match play would be before. After, in the middle, vice versa. So <clears throat> all three areas, they were extremely competitive because when you would be at a track, you would have to give 110% and try to be better than the others in whatever drills were given to you. Same thing, change the rotation, go on the drilling courts. There would be uh, four courts with four feeders, your coach, and then a guy on the tower, like in a military style, with a microphone, yelling at everybody. So you would have four courts on the right, four courts on the left, and then on four you would have many other courts. So the tower, there would be two towers in the middle of this 16 courts. It's four, four, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, about 16 courts of the of the of the drill with two groups and everybody yelling and creating this really 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 uh, strong energy. So no one could stop everybody moving the feet even the when they were waiting for the ball. So there was a lot of competition, even when there was not um, a match or something in play. And we would go and play a match, you were charged up completely. So you were eating the ball. So <clears throat> maybe it was a little bit too much. I had a conversation with one of my old coaches over last weekend before he left for the US Open. And, and he told me, he says, probably we trained too much. Maybe it was too hard. But that's the way that we, we did. And uh, some of you guys made it, some other ones didn't, but not everyone can become a top player at any sport or in any work field. For sure. No, I really love the, the fact that you brought that up and, you know, sharing that information, you know, seeing, you know, having that convo with your coach and seeing the differences from back then and now. Um, question I have for you is you having, you working with these young athletes and stuff like that, what would you say are some of the old school methods that are very effective that you still use today and that you wish other coaches would still use. But at the same time, what are also some new school methods for coaching that you wish, you know, you knew back then and that you could have implemented? You ask very good questions. Um, <laughs> We've had some practice at this. <laughs> you guys are good. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Um, it's a very broad uh, conversation uh, that we just opened <laughs> with this question. Um, I'm a big fan and Josh knows and he's the same. That's why we blend, we blend since the first day we met because we have the same ideas and, and, and I look up at him. He's, he's a great guy. 
and, and a sure great sportsman is. and coach. Um, Appreciate that. Thank you. Uh, of course, you know, I talk out of my heart, and and that's what I felt, uh, and I feel. But um, simplicity is the key. Go back to the basics. That's in that, that is the nutshell. Now everything around is great. Looks great. Looks great on Instagram without saying anything. But I don't know how much of functionality has all this stuff. I'm sure there is a big business behind with uh, equipment. Uh, training methods, uh, and so on. But at the end of the day, <clears throat> whether you are somebody that just does it for the wellness or uh, you want to become a professional athlete or you're already a professional athlete in any sport, the basics is the most important thing. Um, and those things, those basic movements, um, you cannot really tweak them or anything. Um, that's the core of training. Now, um, we have to take in consideration that there's been uh, an evolution. I can talk on the tennis side, but I'm sure in every other sport as well. Um, on the materials and the equipment that you're using, for us would be the rackets, would be the shoes, which is very important, uh, and the material of the clothes, yes and no. Of course, they are much lighter and, and, and more dynamic, but but the actual parts, the moving parts, is the racket that can lead to injuries if it's not well properly balanced. Um, and I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. And um, the shoes, of course. Uh, but extremely important, what has been an evolution, and that's what we probably needed, was the um, rehabilitation understanding how much each player, each individual, every player is different. Each That specific individual player, what needs, what does not need as much, and how can we create a plan to make him maximize without breaking him down at a young age <clears throat> so that he can have a longevity of in his sport and then later on in his life because you got to think about your own health. Sure. Sports is a great thing, but it's one third of your life professional sport if you reach the level and then the rest you got to live your life and it's not only about sports you can be still involved in sports but you know you don't end up in the hospital and being somebody that was <laughs> famous and that's about it so that's uh, that's a big thing and and in tennis in the last 10 years i would say there's been a huge evolution in playing a little bit less and doing more work in the training room um, and having a physio that that would rehabilitate you and, and regenerate you and rebuild you uh, every single day. The top players, and that's the only way Roger can play still at 20, 38, 39 years old. Amazing. It's because <clears throat> they understood that from the football uh, people. Uh, you guys know very well that you, yeah. you, get, get, you get broken oh, yeah. down very, very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Josh and I talk about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, even when I was at FAU, you know, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but I, I trained the men's and women's tennis teams at FAU, and those guys would love to get after it in the weight room. You know, they were honestly one of my favorite groups to train because, like, 1 through 11, you know, the guys on the team, they all trained super hard. They all got it. They all understood that, you know, they were going to improve their play on the court if they were more mobile, if they were a little more resilient, right, and they could handle a little more of a beating so you can, you know, take – uh, that extra step in the volume of your training on the court, right? I mean, you talked about maybe you guys trained a little too hard. Eight hours seems like quite a bit, you know? You see, when you're a young guy, you have to train more hours. Once you start playing the juniors and then the pros, 
you are playing so much on the court, like the uh, NBA players, um, they um, they play so much every second day uh, that they train less because it's like training, being out there. So tennis, <clears throat> you play a tournament every day, every second day for a week, two weeks US Open if you're like you get to the same as in finals, but that's about it. Then you might have some days off. Uh, so um, it was a little different kind of training that said we're not like NBA players, so we can train as much outside. In reality, it's not because you're still a lot under pressure. The mental part drains you also. Uh, so it can lead also to to injuries mm-hmm. and, and mental breakdowns and stuff like that. So it's extremely important to um, gauge the training outside, even at a young age, and have as less impact as possible because playing on, on clay court, on grass is one thing. Once you start playing on hard court, which is 75% of the uh, scheduling of the tournaments. Um, which should you like more, clay or grass? Which should I you love, play better I on? love indoor carpet. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I just love indoor carpet. I like the speed. I like I like, I like the, the sound. It's just 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 unique. And, and all my time that I played in Northern Europe and, and Switzerland also because... I was in Switzerland for a long time, and 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 I would train in Switzerland and then play all over. But it was it was it was, it was unbelievable. But yeah, I remember you know playing a lot in in the northern part of of Europe, which is you know the Netherlands and stuff like that. And, and pretty much you always play indoors, and it's just looking forward. How how did you balance your you know because obviously you were strength training when you were at IMG and, and playing a lot, but you know once you got to the professional level, how did you balance the in season work you had to do with the strength training and the recovery work that you had to do in order to you know compete at a high level for the entirety of the well, season? You 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 basically um, find a comparison with other schools, let's say. Other schools doesn't have to be another academy, but other training methods that have used other players from all over the world. The academy, yes, is the biggest place in the world to train, but it's not the only one. <clears throat> and and the system that we adopt is not the only one. <clears throat> so I was extremely lucky when um, I got a chance to go to the Swiss Federation. Uh, I was called... Um, to practice in the, in the Swiss Federation in uh, 1997. And um, I could see how Europeans would actually train um, players. And it was a substantial difference between my American way of MBTA to um, the European. Less hours, more direct, and I don't want to take anything away from the academy. I'm a big fan of Nick. To me, Nick is Nick Politeri. You know, he's a great coach, great friend, and um, and 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 nothing to say. To me, he's my mentor. But you gotta keep your mind open. You gotta uh, look at your horizons much broader. And and uh, and I could see that the training was very precise and very minimal. We would say. Uh, but everybody was improving tremendously, and 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 I was lucky enough to be in um, at a time that the Swiss Federation was starting to shift and becoming really putting themselves on the map in a sense of having really big players. Uh, Hingis was already number one in the world. Uh, Mark Rosette was top five, I believe, or top ten in the world, and um, and then there was a few other young players that they were growing. And they were extremely good. And one of them was Roger Federer at 16. Wow. That's, yeah. 
So I, I, I know um, we've spoken a, a pretty good amount about the training and these and, and seeing how these new methods of recovery and awareness and, you know, not understanding that not more, more is not always better. Um, and understanding that, you know, the long-term effects that it can have on your body and games, so on and so forth. Something I wanted to ask you, um, seeing all these new methods that are great and that work and that help, I don't know if you agree, but something that I feel like I've seen different or maybe a lack of, and I know it depends on the person too, but would you say competitively, um, grit, um, work hard, there's always been, I feel like I've seen in old school players, there's always been that extra edge of going above and beyond or just having that extra competitiveness that I just feel like with newer players, not in today, sometimes they're missing that. And I feel like that also was very important. Obviously, understanding that there's a tremendous awareness, understanding like, hey, there's a time to push beyond your limits and there's a time not to so you don't get hurt. But would you say, would you agree that there was that mental edge um, with a lot of the old school players just because of the way that that thought process was? And you see it with basketball too. You see in NBA players, look at the days of Michael Jordan, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson. These guys were just... They go out there to compete. And it wasn't like, oh, all this friendly stuff, all this stuff where you see now more with NBA players. And you saw the competitive edge, the way that, you know, it was back then. Would you say that the, that was a component in tennis back then? And would you say that that's something that's missing that could help players in today's world um, and understanding how to use that the right way? Um, I would say they were a, a different breed of people. And um, <laughs> that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good I way. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, sometimes you gotta be careful when you give an interview and <laughs> what <Yeah>. you're saying. <laughs> um, those people that you've mentioned, uh, which are the greatest of their sports, and in tennis, I can say a couple of names as well. Um, they grew up raw, without um, Instagram of this situation. Uh, the help from the sponsors, all this media attention that at the end of the day, there's a big funnel behind that, that makes a lot of money. So they had to go out and think about how to get better than their friends, opponents, and win and think about winning, not thinking about every other thing. So nowadays, I'm not saying it's weaker, but it's too uh, corporate. And... Um, <laughs> I don't care what people say. <laughs> that's the way. That's the way I feel, and unfortunately, so that leads to a big show out there, which is great for tickets, great for sponsors, for sales of clothing and, and so on. But um, it's not it's not as precise. I see, and 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 it goes along also the techniques of the players and everything. They might. <clears throat> be trained at a higher level, no, no doubt about that, with all this technology, and that's great. But you see flosses in their, I talk about tennis, in their techniques or in their movement also, that um, the materials and the environment tends to 
bypass and don't point it down and make them work really hard. I'm not saying that they don't work hard. They still work hard, but it's not the same effort and, and intensity, I would say, except those few outliers, of course, like Nadal and, and stuff, Djokovic also, that, uh, um, that there's a bigger percentage from the 80s and 90s that were working really hard Versus the ones now that that really don't work as hard, um, and I see I was I was on the court with Paul Forsythe, is my old coach and the guy that I mentioned. They went to the U.S. Open, and uh, used to be the director of the academy. It's some of the history of of, of Nick Politieri, tennis academy, and uh, and I was on the court with few uh, top junior players in the world and a couple of ATP players, and um, great players, but there were little things that they were not doing properly, that we were discussing with Paul and he agreed completely. And this is because also <clears throat> the materials had an evolution. Uh, the new rackets uh, uh, allow you to hit harder, more precise. They're usually bigger profiles without getting too much into specifications. But um, the way of hitting now is way different than before. So there's been an evolution of the grips. Before was... Well, we started out with the Continental in the ancient times. And when I was playing, it was very popular, the Eastern. And then the semi-Western and going to a Western. So more you go Eastern, Western, and semi-Western, there is a, <clears throat> a more severe um, uh, grip. So there's different heights, how you're going to hit the ball. and and and. But at the end of the day, more you go to the Western, and more you start slapping the ball more. So you're keeping the ball on the strings less. And that's what um, is missing on the technique of these young kids. They, they slap the ball extremely hard. They don't keep the ball on the strings that much. Agassi came up with a 12-inch with a, with a rule, 6-inch before hitting the ball and 6-inch after. So that, what does it mean? That with the elbow, you stay long with the ball. So I was having this, this conversation on the courts with the kids. Paul had me talk to them. And one of the things was you guys could play much heavier and have a heavier ball so that the opponent is going to feel the heat and the heaviness of, of, of your shots by just doing exactly what you're doing. But instead of pulling up a little bit too quick, just stay a little bit longer, few more inches. That's enough to make you from a good to a great player. And that was one of the minor things that I've seen with them and some other players also in the professional to top 50 in the world that they're young, 20, 21, 22, they're great players, but they could be great. They're good, but they're great. They cannot be, They could be great. I think it's amazing um, that in all sports and everything in life, you know, sometimes you see that there are old missing components that can really change the game for somebody and, and some things that, you know, disappear that you're like, man, I wish that was still, you know, implement they're still going on you know into whatever sport somebody's playing um so i appreciate you sharing that you know and and um, telling our, our listeners more about how that works of course sorry interrupting of course 20 years ago 15 years ago you could not play like now because the materials were not evolved like now right but but <clears throat> that pushed you to have a better technique now you can have little flosses little hitches and you still can still get away so at that time, with those materials, you had to have a proper technique. Now, you know, you can, uh, you can 
um, how you say, um, get away with get a away, get away a little bit, a little bit with it. Uh, of course, you know, at that level, is that one ball that makes a difference when you're a professional player and you're playing against at that level with, with big players. One ball can change the match. That specific ball, if you have little hitches here and there, when you get tight, you might miss it. It's like these, um, you know baseball players in the Dominican Republic and these poor countries that they're playing baseball with a stick and a yeah. little rock. Yeah. You know, so imagine when they start hitting a baseball that's this big compared to a rock or compared to something smaller, it just, you know, it's crazy to see yeah. when you hear those Well, those and stories. you brought up a good point too about, you know, social media and technology and the things that kids have available to them now. Like when, when we were all growing up, oh, that yeah. those didn't exist, right? You were outside. Yep. If you played tennis, you played tennis. I played football and basketball. We were at the courts from sun up until they turn the lights off at, yep. you know, midnight, 1 a.m., just playing basketball, just playing pickup. You know, we weren't on our phones, like, wondering what our friends were doing on their summer vacation. Posting the best shots. Yeah. <laughs> you know, none of that existed. So it was just go out and play and get better and compete. We're concentrating more on ourselves than yeah. others. <laughs> I wish we could go back to that, you know. Right. Although, I, you know, I think we all have benefited from social media, clearly. Yeah, but, yeah, for yeah. sure. For you know, sure. I think that there's a time and a place and. And exactly. That was you something we always try to keep my my younger sister away from. You know. Yeah. Well, you need to adapt to the uh, to the changes. And driving here with my good friend Luciano, we were talking about this, and uh, um, people don't adapt. Sometimes they don't adapt, and and that's one 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 big mistake because then you will be behind. Yeah, I know. You know, you've been not to kind of jump off topic, but I think it kind of ties in nicely. Is you know, I know you've been building out your own training program with agility and and some 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 uh tennis rat some yeah some tennis some racket work right so tell us a little bit about what you've been what you've been developing over you know i know it's been quite a while since you've been you've been starting this whole process well, this this vision started about 25 years ago wow yeah but it started getting shape about six years ago um due to an injury that i had and the doctor told me that I was not supposed to play tennis anymore. I, I broke my, my, my left foot on, on during practice on a tennis ball, stepped on it, going back, and um, told me that I could not play anymore. So months later, I had to find a different way. I still wanted to play a different way. So, so to rehabilitate myself, no one could really help me. So um, I started playing tennis in the swimming pool. So I reproduce every single movement in the water by keeping the water pretty much chest level and by, by simulating forward and back and volley, serve, slice, every shot, every movement, ladder movement, shuffling, forward, backward, jumping. But it was no high impact. So I was working <clears throat> the same thing that I would, wor would work on a tennis court, but with no impact. Second thing, I would do it without my without shoes or socks. So the 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 the, the calcareous bottom of the pool, when you move, it creates a little centrifugal force when you do the swing that throws you off. And if you step or stump too hard, you slide and you go under the water. So no big deal. But that <clears throat> teaches you to uh, control the ground and don't let the ground control you. Yeah, last thing you Love want in that. tennis or really any sport is be heavy-footed, right? Exactly. And you see a lot of kids that they just walk with the entire part of the foot uh, or run, and, and that slows you down, especially if you have big feet, especially if you, if 
no one tells you that you might have to put shoes that are designed a little bit thinner than bigger shoes uh, without making any differences. Usually Adidas shoes are a little bit more bulkier for um, good stability when you slide and so on. But to move around, it's like having ski boots. So some of the players with big feet should always play with very thin soles, like the side of the sole, not the bottom, but the side, so that you can control it because it's very important to walk on the court. Lots of people think you're running. Yes, you're running, you're moving, but if you read the ball fast enough, you're already moving. So the less you are stamping, jumping, running, and the better it is because otherwise it will create an imbalance into the shot. So the more you move laterally, forward or backwards, by reading the ball fast and walking towards the direction, that allows you to cut the angles, first of all, um, gain time, ball travel, so you'll be more aggressive just by moving in that way. But it's, it's important because you're not creating an imbalance into the shot because you're not jumping. So on the, on the pool, because of the friction of the water and everything, you're, you're sliding, so you're lifting your foot up just a little bit, enough to move, but not a lot. And, and, and it forces you to move in a different way. So I was a big fan of that. That's how my Y system, that's how I called it, that's how I called it, uh, started. But I never really did anything with it except doing it for myself training. And I'm a big fan to whatever you do in life, you got to go through yourself. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah, especially a, with training. It's like yeah, you win a lottery. Josh talk about that you, you win a lottery, you don't know how to deal with the money. <laughs> you're going to depend on somebody. But if you worked and you made th that money, you're going to think twice before spending it. That's right. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Stuff. So the same thing is the training. <clears throat> you got to be out there. You got to try. And you know very well, I've seen you uh, training and stuff and, and reading is amazing. I would see him every day studying, studying. He did it for himself, but to give to people, to others, his knowledge, but he had to try it on himself. Mm -hmm. And whatever he was reading, those were the tools given by other people that studied and wrote it. But then... Does that really is going to work for me or not? So he, he created his own his own um, method, his own way of teaching uh, with know-how, the huge know-how that he has. And, 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 uh, and that's what you need to be. Uh, if you're a tennis coach, you need to have knowledge of training outside the tennis court, uh, how a little bit knowing how the rackets should be. And, 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 and know a little bit about rehabilitation also. I'm not saying you have to be an expert, but you have to know a little bit of everything to be able to blend in. And if you are lucky enough that you can have a team, you know how to spot out the other components. Otherwise, you will never succeed in um, transferring your knowledge to that specific player. So that player will never exceed. For sure. No, and it obviously shows, you know, everything you're doing is truly amazing. And, you know, the level of work being an athlete and as a coach is um, through the roof. I want to ask you, um, personally, having been an athlete, now being a coach, experiencing both, what would you say has been more challenging for you, being the athlete or being the coach? And where have you found more happiness, happiness doing so? It's a mixture. Uh, it's a mixture because uh, um, when you're an athlete, you have the rush of going out there and 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 play and and and, and win, try to win, um, perform. Uh, 
uh, exceed your performance. Uh, you have the rush of the travels, you're traveling the world, uh, you're seeing different cultures, but you're always looking forward. You don't know what's going to happen in the next day, in the next hour, in the next minute. Uh, even though somehow you try to control things, there's always an unknown. So that, that if you're the kind of uh, human being, um, that gives you a great rush and, 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 and it's second to none. So when you, when when you are a player on the tour at a, at a decent level, uh, most likely you become a traveling coach and you have somehow the same life. Um, now there's coaches that stay in tennis for the rest of their lives. Some other ones they take other routes, other paths. Um, but there's always a very hard separation between a professional athlete. And then making the transition to coaching, well, hitting partner, and then coaching. Usually, when you're on the tour, you become a hitting partner, and then and then a coach. Um, not everyone. Uh, some of them uh, did that did that path. I did that path. Uh, I was lucky enough to 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 be um, chosen uh, by some of the big players, and uh, and I um, and that's what I what I did. Um, but then was not enough was not enough because uh, I went through a lot through my career, and lots of good moments and lots of bad moments. I, I have a big history of cramps. Everybody knows. Uh, I rushed to the hospital a few times. It was pretty rough. And no one could really find out what it was. Later on, um, some stuff came up, especially when I went to the Gatorade, when they gave me the chance to go to the... Um, Gatorade Sports Institute and, and do the testing came up certain values that we were not expecting so my um, play got better because of that but it was already too late but it's never too late accordingly to me because you always have, you always learn so um, I think I acquired a lots of knowledge from those times being in the pool and changing to the transition on the court and simulating an actual ball point on the court without having anybody on the other side, just by myself for hours and hours, three, four, five hours a day, pool and on court training. And it create, I've always been disciplined, but it, it brought me up to a higher level of discipline because I was coaching myself. I was my own coach at a very young age. That bad incidents that happened to me allow me to push me to a higher level on 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 on, le on a level that I was not imagining. So I reimagined my limit. Um, and that, at the same time, which I did not know at the time, was I was building a stronger character and a lots of knowledge of something that I was developing that I didn't know I was. So, because I was concentrating on myself and going back on the court and play. So, Remuneration, the, the remuneration, um, um, how you say that word? Um, Repetition? No, remuner, remunerate. Rem, um, I'm a redneck uh, from upstate yeah. New York. So I'm going to butcher I, that too. Don't I'm ask me, I'm, I'm from I'm, Miami. I'm, yeah. I'm an international student. Um, anyways, I'll get the word later. Uh, but um, basically, uh, the payback that I had was... Uh, was that I built I built this um, this knowledge that later on when to catch back what I was saying it was not enough I wanted to create something for two reasons one to um, I thought I had something that I could help others 
if I can help one person for me, it's a great thing. So through my experience and to what I've created with a Y system to empower young kids, even at some athletes to do things differently. And second thing, I just wanted to narrate my story, which I think it's a little bit different. Some people might like it, some people not, but I think it's different in, in a different way. Um, I'm writing a book, but, but, but it's not out. So once it's, you know, until it's not out, it doesn't really matter, but, um, do it visually. So my pattern is a visual pattern, um, that I reproduce tennis movements on a court and uh, before hitting the ball, you got to get to the ball. So you got to get to the ball with the right technique, the fastest you can. So minimizing the steps and so on. Um, so I created this visual pattern that uh, uh, can empower beginners, intermediate, and even some athletes uh, with all the knowledge that I have uh, acquired from the movement and from different kind of training on and off the court, rehabilitation, and try to uh, minimize possible injuries, which is a big, big thing. Amazing. I think you, uh, you know, not only on the court but off the court, have done a great example of you know teaching younger athletes or you know, athletes that are coming up through the ranks, not only how to be a, a great tennis player, uh, you know, a great person, but also learning the importance of diversifying the things that you're involved in, right? Because at least my own experience, right, athletes tend to go, or most athletes, right, tend to just go all in on the athletic side, and some of them make a decent amount of money, and then all that money runs out when they stop playing because they just spend it, right? Whereas... You know, we were talking before about the other uh, the other companies that you know you've been a part of and you've been able to build, and um, I've been able to see some of the work and the craftsmanship that goes into uh, Itocraft, right? I said yes, that right. Itocraft. Yeah, um, with the the you know kitchen installations and, and cabinetry and, and all that stuff uh, that you've been able to build, and even that in itself, right? You can tell the the specificity and the attention that you put into whatever project you're working on, right? I've obviously been able to see the the effort that you put in on the training side and then to be able to kind of see that translate into things off the court that have nothing to do with fitness or nothing to do with, with athletics, right, is actually pretty amazing because it not many people are able to be successful in multiple areas of business and, you know, whether we like it or not, athletics is a business, you know? So, um I don't know if you want to kind of dive into that at all, but I thought it's pretty interesting, you know, how you were able to kind of develop Itograph and, and, you know, we talked about the car dealership that you have also in, in well, the design district. Yeah. So, um, it doesn't really tie in much sports and construction, let's say, if we right. want to call it so. Um, but business. But, uh, but uh, there is a common denominator, which is uh, the same discipline that I've learned uh, uh throughout the sports. I always think that sports will get you ready for the real life. That's the beginning of your life. So if you're lucky enough that you have done all the steps and you got at a high level, you experienced every level. So it's like building a company from the bottom to the top. So you have the kind of discipline, regardless how much money you made, if you made little, little bit or a lot, doesn't matter, but you have went through um, a course with all the obstacles and all the joys. And um, so when you transfer that to a completely different field, as in uh, us uh, 
the kitchen kitchen business cabinet business um you bring in the same uh discipline and that will give you an edge versus the competition because the ones that are successful even in their actual business are the ones that are very very unique a little bit freaky because you got to be yeah, you got to be a little crazy you got to be a little bit off yes yeah. to 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 succeed in anything oh, you're yeah. you're preaching to the choir over here oh, man yeah. <laughs> yeah. you have yeah. to be you have yeah. to be that's one of the characteristics that i've seen and i've always been very interested when i meet somebody that is different Weird is probably not the word. It's different. Josh it's, knows I'm different. Oh yeah. <laughs> now you're weird. You're weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that 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 gives you that 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 gives you the unicity that 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 yeah it gives you an edge. It gives you an edge exactly. So going back to the to the to the kitchen company, uh, Twittercraft, um, I was lucky enough uh, to meet Alex Sakostis, which is the president and founder and the genius behind the company um, and the actual engine. And um, many years ago, I was approached and uh, to be part of it, and we became great friends and so on. So uh, slowly, slowly, we, we, I got involved more and more. And, uh, and it's been a great journey because it's different, but it's something that really excites me for the simple reason that um, my father was the biggest developer in the Northern East Africa infrastructure, a little bit different from what Ethercraft does, but um, still construction. So that's something that uh, um, I'm very proud that gets me closer to what my father was, uh, but controlled all by myself. So maybe he will be proud of me a little bit, um, but that's that's what um, what I'm involved now, and that's what um, what gives me that that um, that fire inside. And I treat, you know, when there is a project or something, whether it is a high rise or just a private home, a spec home, um, I treat it the same way with that with that hanger of going on a tennis court. Even and, you showing me the samples one day, I remember yeah. I was like, man, this guy's fired up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and 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 I really love it because it's uh, it's I, I I cure it as I'm curing my Y system, uh, so I put the same amount of effort. Uh, it can get out of hands because there's two completely different things and it can get really busy, but um, you don't succeed. You don't become an outlier if you don't go the extra step. Otherwise you'll be like, that's right. Yeah. I'm great. You said that. I'm glad. I'm really glad that you said that. I I wanted to bring up, you know, athlete, coach, business owner, and, and, you know, bringing up that discipline. They talked about the similarity, knowing that you have tools, systems in place as an athlete and as a coach to keep that growth going, what are some of the tools and systems that you like to use as a business owner to make sure you keep growing and winning and also as well, you know, keeping you up to date with everything that's moving forward in technology? Curiosity. Uh, if you lose the curiosity, you'll die. So the world is of many different colors. So you got to keep your mind open to anything. You never know what to expect in the next minute. When we walk out from here, we don't know. I don't even know what kind of question you're going to ask me. We <laughs> <laughs> like questions, to keep you on the, uh, your yeah, toes. All, all your questions are unbelievable. I'm always like, Josh, keep your mind open on my ideas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. He comes in here all the time like, yo, I got 15 things that we can work on. I'm like, fuck. Here. <laughs> all right, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to be up for a couple of days. <laughs> so... um 
Instagram, it's a great tool for me <laughs> in this regard because um, it allows me to travel the world in a matter of a couple of swipes and I can look at different kind of projects all around the world, different architectures. I love architecture. I'm a big fan of um, minimal architecture. I just gave an interview last week about um, what's my dream house, what's the, my dream car. And uh, yeah. What is your dream car? Um, I would say... In the interview, that's easy to answer. Uh, I picked the F40 uh, just from the fact that it's um, a very iconic Ferrari. And there's not that many out there, especially the one with the fiberglass uh, windows, which is even more limited. It's only for a few special people. And that's a car that uh, would always hold the value, no doubt about that. would always go up in value. But uh, it's something that created an era of Enzo Ferrari, which is uh, very unique. There's many other cars, of course, they create an area of of, 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 of Enzo's, but but I don't know, the F40 has always been something that is still a very raw car. Uh, you feel all the little noises, uh, vibrations, uh, sound of the engine, which is music to me, and so on. So um, that would be the car. Um, in regard of... Uh, Projects and everything. Uh, Frank Lloyd Wright. It's uh, it's a great architect. It's a legend. And, and, and it's a legend. Le Corbusier, which is a completely different uh, schooling. Uh, I appreciate as well. But at the end of the day, um, I like to see all different styles to open my my mind as much as I can. I remember living in. Um, we always had beautiful houses in Africa, and I remember the last one that we had was. Um, I don't know how big it would be right now, but I was very small at the time, so I thought it was a palace. <laughs> and um, he had a big hole in the middle with a garden. And when it would rain, it would rain into the house, but the house would not get wet. It was built in a very wow. unique way. So at a very young age, I grew up with this very um, eclectic style. And uh, now that I'm involved in construction, I have people that ask me suggestions, how they would do their house, their bathroom, their kitchen or whatever. And um, I always try, the way that I see a, a space of a house, it's, it's bringing the outside, the nature, inside and blending with the landscape, everything, without interrupting uh, and disturbing the, um, their surroundings and the nature. So integrating the design with what it is around. So um, the house that, you know, one of the houses uh, that we just finished about a year and a half ago or so was um, Lennar's house in, uh, in Star Island. And that's the interview that I gave. Uh, that is a great example. Come in on the left side uh, of the garden. There is this long slope that you can actually walk on the roof of the car, of the, um, uh, yeah, the car, of the, of the house. Amazing. So, and it's all nice, very cool plants and, and, and very beautiful. And then there is this 30 uh, foot uh, tree in the middle of the house. Um, How tall are the ceilings? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, there's no ceiling because oh, the, it's open. Around. It's open. Okay. It's open. So the tree is basically going outside the house, but it starts of course in the house and it's just beautiful. And that reminds me, I picked that house because it reminds me a little bit of the house that we, um, we the last house that we had in Tanzania. So uh, I like to play a lot with the um, 
natural colors and natural materials. I don't like things that look like they have to be, or otherwise I don't like to use them. So concrete, which I love concrete, call me crazy. My favorite building in Miami, it's 1111 Lincoln Road. Yeah. Parking lot with the penthouses on the top. Super cool. Yeah. It's just the, the, the developer that is a yeah is a genius and, uh, and he's got uh, that new project in Alapada yes. he's been working yes. on and um, and I um, I like concrete with unfinished uh, look uh, wood woods from all over the world according to where the structure is and what kind of landscape has uh, glass big glass windows and then opening spaces uh, and a little bit of art deco of these roofs with holes in the roofs and stuff. So they can, that's kind of my my style. You've been seeing a lot of that in here in Miami recently, right? The, oh, yeah. the darker tones, right? Little, you know, darker grays, black, like lighter blacks on, on the exterior of houses, tons of, of, of glass windows, you know, floor to ceiling. Yeah. Um, every seven years, usually the style changes. So it goes with uh, the colors. So now we are on a wave of these grays, which I'm a big fan. I've always been a Cornelio, the seven years, the, yeah. the, the mouse gray. I call it the mouse gray, this, this kind of grays. Even on cars, Porsches has got beautiful grays. Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of my clients has like a, I think like a 64 Jag, and it's it's that same type of like, but shimmery. By the, by the way, when this podcast blows up and I have enough money, I'm going to tell you to come help me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the, <laughs> he's the man for that, man. And uh, well, that, that gray came from the, from the military. Mm-hmm. They had so much paint, and, and that's how some of the cars were painted to color. And used to be a very ugly color, very sad color. Now it's got a lot of hype, and I've always loved that color. And um, so the grays, these kind of colors are what they are. And then there's, we're doing a lots of stuff with whites, which it's, it's always, it's always uh, in style, mixed with, uh, with woods. Yeah, you see a lot of that Matt, on like the Matt, Venetian, yes, right? A yes, lot of a lot yes. of like the darker wood tones uh, paired with with the white exterior. Yeah. So, uh, any um, cool, interesting, um, maybe tennis buildings you'll work on? Doing some kind of a like complex? I don't know. Some you gonna get into any of that? Any of that? No, <laughs> uh, there was an idea a while back um, with Alex uh, to do a, a sports complex. Um, with um, you know, to push it a little bit and having also a, a youth building in a sense uh, of doing something um, that revolves around sports. So the bottom part was um, all about sports and whoever would buy or rent uh, the unit would be um, really involved in sports, whether it was a sports person or not, it did not matter, but they liked that lifestyle. Um, we ended up not doing anything yet. I don't know if it's going to be something in the future, but but for now, but, but that was that was basically what what it was, and everything would have wo- revolved around the Y system, which is not only a tennis specific system, but it can, uh, by reproducing certain movements from other sports, can be reproduced for other sports, and then you know normal workouts because you know it can be done, uh, it can, can be very versatile. I mean, you're. Every time I talk to you, man, I always get super motivated, super excited about, you know, pushing myself farther. I know, you know, we talk about training quite a bit every time I see you on South Beach and um, all the other projects you have going on are, you know, obviously doing very well and and only have, you know, enormous growth, especially down here in Miami with, with Ittlecraft and everything. 
I can't believe it. We've almost hit an hour already, man. Yeah. I I know we, you and I probably could talk for like days on end. Oh, this is fun. This is days really on end. <laughs> um, I know, I know Minda is going to have a couple of questions to wrap everything up but before we do that. Where can everyone find you on, you know, on social media or, you know, find, find your programs or Itocraft. Okay. Um, on, 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 on Instagram, of course, I'm Yuri Betoni, which is my first and last name. Uh, Facebook is the same. I try to keep it very simple. Uh, Twitter, uh, same thing. Not you big, big on Twitter. Not big on Twitter. Just not, retweeting. Not big <laughs> on Twitter. Um, I'm, I'm still try to understand it. Um, but no, Instagram, uh, Facebook. It's uh, YouTube. I'm rebuilding my my uh, my channel, and soon I'm gonna come out with a with a new website. I had a little bit of a problem in in the process of uh, of rebuilding the website, but it's gonna be something new coming up. And uh, and then uh, my good friend Luciano, if he gives me time of the day he, he's going to help me out to to shoot the new um actual tutorial the actual because i have over 100 tutorials now i call them tutorials but they're videos of experiences that i had on the court match them with uh some of the footwork and uh, i've created uh these uh, these short clips of a minute which you can see part of them on um instagram and they will be uploaded uh, into the um, youtube channel pretty soon but the actual tutorial uh, it will be shot once I finish to manufacture my Y base, which is a very simple device equipment that helps uh, um, recognizing the position of the foot and uh, and which close stance, open stance, semi-open stance, natural stance, which kind of stand should you use for that specific ball in that situation, ball situation. And um, so um, I will be shooting this um, this new tutorial, which I'm very excited. Um, working on my um, uh, little clothing line. With oh, my, okay. Yeah, it was you know not that I'm gonna. Tanya's man does everything. No, right. is it is it all fashion or is it sports fashion? Is I don't want to sound like the Jap- Japanese with all the respect to the Japanese, the Chinese <laughs> of the situation, but I don't like to do many things. Everything that I do has to be wrapped in with a vision. Mm-hmm. So the main vision it's me empowering the Y system with my know-how. And then my clothing line is going to be uh, a streetwear where it's going to be nice. shirts, shorts, and sweaters. Like athleisure. It's going yes, to yes. have grays and wood colors. The wood, no. <laughs> you were good with a gray. Yeah, yeah. I, I like yeah. black on black. Yes. Stuff like that. Keep it yeah. very simple and, and, and minimal. That's, um, that's, it's music to my ears right there, exactly. man. I love it. I love <laughs> so that's that. why I said that. Yeah. And, I'll rock uh, it for sure. And I would, um, and the concept is it's going to have my logo, of course. And my concept, which is mobility, stability, and velocity, is the three whys. And I came up with this thing. So everything that um, it's in life, well, that it's in sports, has to involve mobility, stability, and velocity. But if you really think about, it's all about the three whys also in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, mobility, you, you got to be uh, flexible me- mentally to recognize the situation in, 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 on the court. But at the same time, a situation in in business also, or even at home in your household, um, stability you gotta have uh, um, a firm mind. Um, don't overreact. Uh, same thing on the court; you gotta be cold. Same thing in a workforce. Uh, same thing if you're playing the stocks; you gotta stay firm and wait. Um, 
And then velocity is not all, always about, we are in a very frenetic uh, world and it's not always fast, 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 faster, bigger, faster. It's not always faster, better. Directed. Sometimes, sometimes by slowing down the speed, uh, you'll perform, your, your movement will be more, more centered and the output will be more, uh, more precise and effective. Same thing in life. You might wait a week. Don't, don't, don't overreact. And maybe you'll find yourself in a better position, or maybe sometimes you gotta act fast. So the three whys is something very simple I came up and I developed an agility speed ladder. You know, abusing myself with all these different uh, uh, footworks and everything that I, I did, and 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 it's just. And then one day I said, I gotta come up with this. I spent so much time on this. I abused my body so much on it. Let's make more of it. And, uh, and I started developing and watching my body that sometimes the faster I was going and it was throwing me off from the line, the center line of performing the uh, actual movement. So by slowing down a little bit, actually I was faster on the agility speed mm. ladder and the, out, the outcome, the sprint afterwards or whatever was, 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 was uh, uh, more dynamic. I mean, like you said before, mastering the basics, right? Yeah. Always having, totally. always having that totally. solid foundation of totally. of quality basic movement. And I really love that you you have this thing. You stick to your system, you know, and it and it and it shows up in all areas of your life. Um, and I think that's one thing a lot of people lack, um, and they don't move forward and grow to a certain levels because they don't have a system. You know, they don't have something they go by and live by every single day. Well, in consistency, right? You talked yeah. about 25 years of refinement getting to this point, mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of people lose sight of that. They think that they're just going to come up with this magical, you know, infrastructure that they can, you know, then grow and build businesses off of and, it, it, it you know, or build a career off of. And it doesn't work like that. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen for most people within a week. It takes 20 years. It takes, you know, Mendes and I have been in the fitness industry for over 10 years apiece. It takes, you know, years yeah. and years of failure Repetition. and trying things out in order to get to the level that you're at, we're at. You know, I, I'm i a big fan of, of, you know, sometimes, you know, you win a match or even kisses. I won, I won. I said, that's great. You won the tournament. That's great. Does not mean you did everything right. Sometimes it's better to take a hard, harsh loss. It forces you to sit with your coach, your family member, whatever, and analyze everything. Once you win, you get excited. And sometimes you get, unless you have that specific coach or somebody around that is, has got the extra knowledge, that will stop you and says, you did everything great until this point. You should have done better here. Otherwise, you will never get to the higher level if you don't analyze Every single, even today that we're doing this, uh, this, this beautiful interview, uh, which I appreciate again, guys. Yeah. Anytime. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. We appreciate whenever it. you want to push anything that you're working on, we'd be more than happy to <laughs> talk yeah, about it. Yeah. When you're ready to release that book, come back out. We'll, yeah. uh, we'll ooh, dig ooh, deep. Ooh, into it. I got to get that <laughs> pressure. <laughs> pressure. Is it based and, on the wise? Um, no, it's about my life. Okay. It's about my life. And, and of course it's got different parts. So it's got my youth and what Africa gave me. Um, what I got out of Africa and experiences and then uh, my sports career and then uh, the transition to business and then at the end my system and 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 uh, and so on so um, going back to to what I was saying before it's it's um, it's very important to pause for a second and just regroup and learn from 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 what you've just done this interview I'm gonna walk out extremely happy but you know, I'm going to think about 
what I could have done better and appreciate what the opportunity, of course, and what I've probably said right. Um, so that's something that, that will allow you to always grow. Otherwise, this experience will be, yeah, will be on, on the podcast and everything, but it will be lost for my own growth. And each of us, I think, in the world, we should always analyze what we had just done in anything and then and then learn from it. I I I was lucky at a very young age to be part of um, a very elite uh, group of people. I became the youngest coach probably in the history of tennis. I don't know. I don't want to brag by any means, but at 22, I was coaching a top 50 player in the world. Amazing. And and before that, I I I, I was traveling as a hitting partner, and uh, on and off, I was also helping out, coaching and stuff, different kind of players. Um, I traveled with Mary Pierce uh, when she was three in the world, Arancha Sanchez, uh, Vicario when she was one, Roger Federer for four years, um, training on and off the court with him, and you learn from these people, these the greatest players, that uh, they have certain characteristics that are common among this elite class. And of course, this discipline is, is a glare in their eyes that is different from normal people. It's very different. Uh, they have an edge. They try to steal everything from with their eyes, with, with their ears. Uh, they don't talk that much. Roger used to get very goofy. Still now is very goofy sometimes uh, in private, in closed doors, among his, his, his people that he feels comfortable with. But um, when uh, um, he has to kick in the Roger Federer tennis player, he switches. I remember little 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 incidents or an anecdote in, in, in Rome. We were joking around in, um, in the gym prior to go to our practices at that time, I was not traveling with him anymore. But um, and we were joking around and 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 shooting the shit and stuff like that. And uh, as soon as we walked out from the tunnel, and there were the people outside, you know, the spectators and everything, going to the courts, there was an Italian open. It says, "Hey, big guy, talk to you later." And he completely changed. And I felt goosebumps. Because I know Roger, we used to share the room together. We used to be always together. And uh, I know him like since he was a kid. And seeing changing pace like that, says this is Roger Federer. This is, this is an edge. So that thing of being able to change the two behaviors just because you're getting off the door, you're getting off yeah, the door from the gym and everything over there and getting to the public that shows you that on the court, this guy can switch in a heartbeat the pace. And I've seen it. It's, it's a common denominator that I've seen with all these big players. Arancha Sanchez, which was not in the world. Very nice lady. Very cool. But when she switched, she switched. When there is an opportunity, they pick that opportunity. They take it. They 100%. Just, they, don't, yeah. they don't wait. They don't, no. they don't. That's about the, 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 the third why. The velocity. I mean, hesitation will, will you know, will kill exactly. you. Exactly. So would you say that's something that you're born with or something you have to create and something that you have to build up to? That's a very good question. And I think and, it could be a mix. And, and yeah, um, I've seen in racing, uh, carts, which is the beginning and that's where you build your bones. Um, you have kids that race with you that... Uh, 
have no fear. I think everybody has fear. I don't think when people say I don't have fears. Oh, they're lying. Oh, yeah. It's not that they're lying, um, Josh. I think that um, it's more uh, they know at a young age how to handle it, handle the pressure. That's a good point. They ha- they know better to handle the pressure than the majority of the people. So young kids racing, you see some of them that they're just a mess on the on, on the track and they crash and they don't follow the lines and everything. Some other ones, they're very precise. They follow the lines. They might crash, but they take chances. They take chances all the time. And those ones, you don't teach that. It's like they that movie. Probably yeah. Ford, Ford versus Ferrari. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, they probably don't win, but they will eventually. Yeah. Because they're taking chances. They're different than others. So those ones... When they're going to learn from those mistakes. You exactly. Know? So those ones are the ones that actually you have to pick if you're a scouter. And those are the characteristics. Once you pick the, those characteristics, you can build. The base is there. They have something more than somebody else. And I have seen this with professional... I've met Roger, bring back Roger, but uh, it's a perfect example. I met him when he was 16. He was a little bit of a brat on the court. He was not keeping always a concentration, um, but it was a big base. There was a glance in his eye. He was a fighter. He was, he was, he was, he was, he had the fire in, in him. Um, he was very, um, he was always testing people how far he would, he would get with any of his friends until somebody would blow up and, and, and say, fuck off, man. You're annoying. Really, you're annoying. And then he says, okay, I got you. That's when I got you. I know how far I can get. And, and that's, and that's something that I think separates the, um, the actual outliers in any sport, in any work field, to the majority of the people, which there's nothing wrong with that. We gotta, we are all different, so we gotta be different. It's like you hear about yeah. Michael Jordan, <laughs> always pushing people, always pushing people, yeah. how yeah. Ma- how always much, finding where where, did he, where the cracks. How were. many times did he fail? Mm-hmm. How many times did he get rejected? Since he was a kid. Yeah. What was his characteristics? Go back, go back, go back. Work harder. L- look, look at the um, cyclists. They abuse themselves for hours. Runners, you know, they stay behind, they stay behind, they stay behind until they take the chance. That mentality is extremely strong mentality that only few people have, and those few are the ones that exceed in anything that they do, as long as they dedicate their you know, all their old passion. Truly amazing. Yeah. Listen, man, I think that that's a, a great way to wrap this up. I think that's a good lesson for people to learn. Uh, for the future. I appreciate you coming on, man. Oh, always. I, I always love, uh, you know, getting the chance to talk to you and, and learn from you. And this was, you know, probably the, the best opportunity I've had so far since that we don't have any loud gym music <laughs> or anything playing around. So, I, so it I, was awesome. I think, you know, I, I, again, I thank you guys tremendously. I really enjoyed it. You guys have a beautiful place here. I like, I love all the little toys. It gives that energy to the, <laughs> to the space. Yeah, and, we, and, and, and thank you very much. Yeah, of course. Thank you. Yeah. Thank I, you for sharing your experience. I do want to ask you some quick little questions. Sure. Just fire through them real quick. Um, first one, Having worked with Josh, training with him, is there anything that you've used from Josh's coaching with some of your students and your young athletes? Um, yeah, he's addicted to the to the clubs and the mace, man. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I I spot him out right away at the gym when I did not know him, and he, he kind of I was interested in knowing this guy because you meet a lots of people, you see a lots of people, but there's always one guy uh, that stands out sooner or later. And throughout all, I've been at Equinox for. 
10 years maybe. And um, when he uh, came in the first day, I said, who's this guy? You know, he's got a cool energy. I love this energy. And, uh, and, uh, and, and then we hit it off right away. We became good friends right away. Mm -hmm. Great respect because he is very humble with a huge knowledge and not because he's here, but I would always say that about him. And, um, and I pick his brains. He did the same thing with me, but, but we did it in a very healthy way. And, uh, and, um, we share, uh, experiences yeah. And, uh, and, and, and I think we learned from each other tremendously. So, so later on when, when, when he left the, the, um, uh, the gym and everything, we kept contact and, um, I still asked him certain things. And lately, you know, he, um, he gave me some good drills, uh, good, 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 yeah, good, <laughs> good, good, um, drills for, for that I, I could implement in the tennis. That's what I did. So I, I took part of his knowledge and I tried to, how can I blend it with my own uh, stuff Love it. and came up with a video that I've not posted it yet, but it will be posted and I'm looking forward because I still have to do the actual tennis stuff with a tennis ball. Uh, but he's already edited all the stuff with the uh, with the clubs and and the mace, and um, I think it's gonna be a video that is gonna do very well because uh, because it's uh, it's very innovative, and I have to thank him very much because anytime man. And this is just one thing. Then at the, at the gym we did so many other exercises because he comes up with all these uh, different uh, drills, which <clears throat> they're very unique. They might seem seen already on 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 Instagram or here and there, but the way he performs. Even a small little exercise, he performs it in a different way that it actually makes sense. Sure. And and uh, and that's what I did also with my waste system. I did not reinvent the wheel with the kitchens. We did not reinvent the kitchens. We just, I just with the tennis and with the, with the, with the, with the company, we just um, looked at what the competition was doing, and we tried to do it better. Yep. Yeah, that's and all you can you do. Add your flavor to it. Exactly. And, and, and that's what Josh uh, did. You know, he looked because he's very curious and curiosity is, is the beginning of a long road. And then with his knowledge, he was, he, he was a winner. And that's why, you know, all his, I watch his videos and, and first of all, I like how professional he is. And also you guys here are extremely professional and congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It really excites me when I see people that really go away from everybody else because that's what makes the difference. Yeah. The little things, the little, the little, um, minimal things are what it builds the entire house and whatever you do, you cannot expect to build a beautiful house and forget the little, uh, p uh parts. And the same thing, you guys coming in, as soon as I walked in today, I opened the door and I look at this, uh, and, 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 and Josh says, ah, oh, but this is a small place. I don't think it's a small place. I think it's a great place. And I think it's got a lot of energy and I think it has history. He has uh, life. He has passion, and that's what shows. Appreciate that. Your, yeah, your thank you, man. Both of you, both bo bo of you, how you guys run your lives, and thank and I so like much. to partner with people that um, have this, this this kind of uh, of of energy and thinking, because these are the people that together you can grow. I agree. No, I appreciate yeah. that a lot. Yeah, thanks, man. That means that it, uh, it's very touching. Thank you. Question. <laughs> I'm a man. Question number two. Um, I thought we were a 99. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, what's that? What's one thing that you would say for young tennis players in today's age 
that they should really focus on to take them to the next level? What's that one thing you would give them? I hear this question all the time. <laughs> and I always think... But well, we asked it better, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. You guys for sure asked it better. Um, but I always try to come up with a different... Um, with a different um, answer, which you can actually, actually, you cannot really come out with a different answer all the time, uh, but I like to be unique. Um, if I were to adjust to nowadays, spend less time on the social media and looking at other people's business, unless you are looking for something to better yourself, so it's a productive curiosity, um, and don't wait for anybody. But just go out there and um, and invent whatever to make you succeed in whatever you want to do. Love it. Uh, because you cannot wait for somebody like a computer. You plug in and the computer gives you the answers. Uh, there's no answers in life. There's Correct. no answers in business. There's no answers in, in sports. You got to find your own way. When you're out there, you're by yourself. You don't have your coach. You don't have your mom. You don't have your sister. You don't have your girlfriend. So uh, you got to be yourself. We born alone. We die alone. Let's perform alone. Yeah. You guys heard it. Came out yeah. kind of cool, huh? Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> uh, real quick, last two. Wildest experience you've ever had in playing tennis? Uh, excuse me? The wild, craziest, oh, wild the wildest experience you ever had playing tennis? It's on YouTube. You can be R-rated. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can... Give an anecdote that I had in, in uh, Berlin, I think it was, in 1997. Um, I remember <clears throat> in 1990, my father took me to the Italian Open to watch a tennis match. It was my first time. And I see from being upstairs, from what I was saying about Roger being upstairs, the spectator, I was that spectator uh, when I was little, <clears throat> in the 1990. And I see Emilio Sanchez, which was four in the world and one, I think, in doubles, something like that. Um, walking in with a suit and a tennis racket. And I thought this guy was really cool. And I would all, I always saw him on TV, never saw him on real. When I see him on real, it kind of shocked me. Fast forward, uh, 1997, seven years later, exactly seven years later. I, we just finished the Italian Open. I was with Mary Pierce and um, Craig Carden was coaching Mary and I was a hitting partner of Mary. We won the Italian Open. And I'm sitting basically four seats away from where I was sitting seven years before with my father and a friend of mine. So I was looking to the left a few times and say, this is not me. I cannot be four seats down and being part of this final. It's very strange. So he played with my mind. It was a very, very unique uh, energy that Sunday afternoon. It's a beautiful day. So we, Mary ends up winning the tournament and it was incredible. Incredible because... At that time, I was a spectator, and now I'm part of the That's final. Crazy. So yeah. it was very, it was wild. Full then, circle. Yeah. Then we fly the next day, no, the same night, we fly to Berlin for the Berlin Open. And um, I'm practicing, I think first day or second day, I'm practicing on center court and on TV. Uh, Emilio sees me uh, practicing with Mary, the TV for, of, it was an internal TV, so people on, on center court, the TV was always on on center court, so always was there, you could see it from the player's lounge. So he sees me practice, and I had met him before going to practice, because Sven 
uh, a friend of mine, uh, an old friend of mine, he, um, he had introduced me to him. So for me, you know, my dream was to just shake his hand at Italian Open seven years before. Sven introduces him to him and I shake his hand. So my dream came true. So it was like, oh, that's great. Fine. He doesn't finish here. So I go to <clears throat> practice with Mary. He sees me, go back to the player's lounge. He says, hey, Yuri, how are you doing? Uh, good, good. I saw you hitting. You're hitting kind of well today. I said, oh, thanks. But I'm looking. I'm like, Emilio is telling me this? And I'm getting something to eat. He says, sit with me for a second. I sit with him. He says, would you like to hit a little later on today? Emilio Sanchez is asking me to hit on the court. And for me, it was, was, was incredible because it's like, you know, by that time I already hit with a lots of big players, but he was something that since I was little stayed in my brain. Anyway, Satan says, I'm about an hour, I can do it. So we get on the court. The entire, it was a women's, tor- a women's tournament at that time. All the spectators came to watch practice. I don't know how many spectators were there. In a small court, everybody clustered on the court. So I was like, so I started hitting. And um, a couple of times I was picking up the balls to the sides and looking over. I said, is that really Emilio on the other side or not? It's not possible I'm hitting with Emilio. It's not just not possible seven years later. So... I think that experience was gave me that um, that that feel that that it was very unique. And I, I repeat myself: I've by that time I already hit with a lots of big players. Later on, I've played with lots of big players. Then you know with Roger, that is probably the best player of all times. Stuff. But when they ask me about that, I always tell this this little anecdote that it was uh, it was very very unique. That's and, beautiful. Wow! And I appreciate you sharing that because. Through hard work and belief, you you will get the things you want. So, I, you know, that's an amazing story. Last question. Um, in one sentence, what's the biggest piece of advice you can leave off to all our listeners that are listening today? I would say um, probably the biggest quality that I love the most is uh, to be humble. If everybody could be humble... And don't think much about um, fame, money, power. We will all be in a much better world. And um, I don't know if this, we have to mention, we have not mentioned it yet, this this COVID-19 will teach everyone a lesson. But I think part of the people that were not really thinking, some of them would would really uh, make an effort to change their lives a little bit. Uh, I don't think everybody, but I think few people, because he had us pause for a second and think what the real values are. And um, going back to Africa, and then we're going to wrap it up, um, you grew up with the great, with the great values, mm-hmm. uh, with real values. And I uh, I think I'm very, I've been very lucky to uh, grow up in my youth in Africa and seeing what people have and don't have. And uh, I think my my biggest gift was uh, this 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 indigenous that one day uh, they brought me over a little car that they did with steel with their own hands and they said this is the only thing we can give you you always give us your bicycle your little toys we cannot give you anything uh, the only thing that um, we can give you is this we don't have anything and to me it was more than anything that anybody would give me at any price because that was from their heart and it was not bought. 
And nowadays it's too easy to make a dollar, go out and spend it. And there's no more value to the dollar. And more important, there's no value uh, of respect versus people because you don't value anything anymore. And I think people should be more humble and value what it's given. Like for me today, it's, 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 it's a great opportunity because you guys invited me. You guys, be, you believed in me. You just met me. But at the end of the day, you guys gave me a great opportunity. And to me, this it's, it's more valuable than anything else. And definitely it's, it's a great highlight. Well, it's, uh, it's definitely mutual, man. I mean, you know, being able to listen to your story and, and hear about your history and all the things, trials and tribulations you've gone through and all the successes that you've had because of those um, barriers and, and things that you had to overcome in your life. You know, I definitely know that I learned uh, a lot today through, through this conversation. I learned a lot about you. Um, definitely makes me feel a lot closer because I feel like, you know, there's some things that you were talking on that I saw in myself as a kid, you know, and saw myself as I was coming up through athletics and business. And uh, I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people that are listening. And I've got to say that, um, you know, just hearing everything you were sharing, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was in your story. Um, I felt like I was in those stands watching you doing those things or talking about those things. So it was really, it was really interesting to experience that with the way you were talking because that energy, you know, speaking of that energy, you could tell that the energy brought me to your to your world and it made me see and picture actually picture what you were going through so appreciate that a lot and appreciate your time and you know you know like josh said i you know getting to know you and who you are i can truly tell you're you're an amazing genuine person and you know so glad i could have met you today thank you yeah thanks man appreciate it thank you guys thank you thank you thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you so Until much next time guys Thank you for listening to Sweat It Out with Anthony Mendez and Josh Evans. Enjoyed this episode? Make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review.